welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this edition, we review the last gasp home win against Northampton Saints at the gate. It wasn't pretty, but we got the four points. We also preview Bristol's return to Champions Cup rugby. First time in 12 years, and that's the home game against Claremont. We talk to a French podcast colleague to get a better insight in what to expect. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony, and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, after the uh, special edition last uh, Sunday, when we did it on Sunday morning with teas, coffees and uh, toast, we're back to our normal Sunday evening slot. And uh, I've heard the uh, the ring pulls and the uh, bottle tops flying in the background. So uh, cheers, boys. We're, we're back on the beer. Um, let me come to uh, Lee first. Um, Lee, uh, how are you, my man? Very good, Tony. I think the the listeners would allow me this this one little um, football insight. Obviously, I'm absolutely over the moon today with Spurs beating Arsenal in the North London derby. So uh, I'm all ready to go for the podcast. Well, that, that, that's good. Uh, and Pete, uh, how are you? Uh, how's things with you? Very good, Tony. Very good. I'm actually drinking a uh, a snowball IPA. Uh, I do, do do like a bit of uh, do like a bit of craft ale. It's uh, it's a tiny rebel. It's called Welcome to the Party, Pal. And uh, I thought I, I would uh, I would drink that in honour of uh, Siva Nualagu, who's just arrived to the club. Well, Welcome there, to the party, pal. There, there we are. Be- beautifully said. And uh, our first uh, attempt to try and get some sponsorship there uh, by m- mentioning the, the brew by, uh, by brewery name. Uh, and Miles, how are you? How's things at the mansion? Very good. I've got, got the old wood burner on. I've got G's um, polishing my slippers or uh, as we speak and my shoes for tomorrow at work. All good. I've had my one, one, one token beer with dinner of the evening. Disappointing, as Lee predicted, but glad to be chatting to you, boys. Great stuff. Well, let's talk about the game. Um, possibly the, the, it wasn't quite what we expected uh, uh, on Friday night. Uh, Bristol took on Northampton Saints and won it with a last gasp penalty, taking the game 18 points to 17. Lee, let, let me come to you first. What, what were your thoughts going into that game? Uh, you must Were you pretty confident? Yeah, I was fairly confident Tone, at the beginning of the week. Um, but I just think that when I saw the Saints uh, team, I did think, well, it's, it is a strong team, even though they were missing, I think it was Laws, uh, Haywood and Harrison. So I, it, big losses for them. But I, I was amazed by how physical they actually managed to be when they were on the pitch. Um, and completely the opposite of the team that's just, what lost fourteen out of sixteen, I think, prior to to the game on Friday. Absolutely, and they've they've been renowned for being slow starters, Pete. But uh, at Ashton Gate, they were uh, fourteen points to the good after quarter of an hour. How, how did you see that opening? Well, it was pretty brutal, really, wasn't it? I mean, it was a it was a 
it was a bit worrying. I mean, fourteen nil down after fourteen minutes. Um, you know, we looked we looked sloppy. We looked we weren't at the races at all, and, and I think that's partly to do with what Lee said. You know, they came out and they were very direct, very physical. And I think they did a bit of a tactical job on us as well. Uh, they stuck what's his name Proctor out on the wing, um, and he's very physical out there. You know, we we did our normal thing of trying to spin it, you know, get it right wide, and a lot of our players were getting isolated, turnovers happening. Um, and I think it took us uh, took us a while to figure out what was going on, and then a, you know a couple of sloppy mistakes really, and suddenly we're fourteen nil down. Um, so yeah, I mean I think we do have to give Saints a bit of credit. And ironically though, if we'd scored in that first two minutes when we were right on the line, um, who knows? You know we might have punctured their confidence, and who knows might what have happened. What, might who knows what would have happened but yeah it was it was a difficult start wasn't it and miles um what, what did you think as we started to pull back into the game did you were you always confident that, that bristol could get the win or did you think it was just going to be one of those nights where we were going to fall just short well, yeah, I mean, much like, you know, seasons gone by, um, me and the me and the Duchess were watching it and I, and I felt like the game was slipping away from us really sort of every 10 minutes. Um, I mean, we were quite, quite surprised to be fo- sort of 14-5 down at half-time. But as the boys alluded to, uh, I mean, Saints were on fire. I mean, defensively, uh, they were fantastic. They were just blocking every running play that Bristol tried to make. And as Pete said, they were just causing us trouble. We were getting isolated penalties. So I was extremely worried, really going to the second half. But um, we just weren't converting points and fair play to Saints. But yeah, a lucky escape at the end. Indeed. Uh, so let, let, let's talk about... Uh, performances then um, let me let me come to you Lee um, who, who who stood out for you um, uh, for Bristol uh, in this game uh, I mean I, I, it was obviously the one standout for me I think was um, was the winger converted to fullback for the game was um, was Purdy um, I mean he did make the error obviously for um, their second try didn't he it was a bit indecisive um, between him and Adi Loken but I mean putting that aside I think he, he played a storming game out of position um, and like you know we're big fans of Purdy on the pod and like Pete has said numerous, on numerous occasions Purdy is so direct isn't he and it just gives you that kind of sense of when he's got the ball you just feel like he's, he's just going to call some carnage um, so for me he was the standout player in the Bristol team yeah, and certainly uh, took that try really, uh, really nicely, didn't he? When he came came into the line, a, a very slick move that had the commentators purring. Um, Pete, though, um, any 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 other names that stood out for you um, from the Bristol side? Yeah, yeah, I think I think I just want to reiterate, Purdy. I think he he's, he's almost like he's got a bit of a back rower about him, but with loads of pace because he, he he's very you know he, he takes two or three defenders, doesn't he? And he and he you know he doesn't lose the ball often in contact. And yeah, I thought it was a great great performance. Yeah, going back to um, well, I think I think at the same time as he kind of came into the game in the second half, I thought Piers O'Connor really um, came into the game a lot, and yeah, I really really like him as a rugby player because he's got he's got a lot of gas. And he's and when his peckers up, metaphorically speaking, he's uh, he's got a 
load of swagger as well. But he's a solid, you know, and he's a solid player. So I was really pleased to see, um, you know, to see him and him and Purdy started kind of really getting us back into the game in the second half. Um, and uh, I, I was going to mention um, one the other winger, but I thought I might leave that to Miles actually. <laughs> well, let's just just before we go off, Piers O'Connor absolutely agree. He, you know, good games took that try, but once again, it, one of his uh, millisecond groundings before uh, the ball was out of his hand. And I'm not sure who, who he was waving to. He uh, scored the try, didn't he? Let go of the ball and then uh, was was waving off to the stand. But uh, yeah, Miles, any uh, any comments from you on, on player performances? Well, you know, I, I think Lee and I have got to eat a little bit of humble pie about our sort of misgivings with Nayadi Alokan last week because under the high ball, he, was, he played a blinder. So <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we'll let him off and we'll just future sort of playing, we'll judge him. Yeah, he had a good game, I thought. He was nippy, well controlled, he had a good ball in hand. He played well. I think the difference, I think, obviously, last week where we were sort of ahead, and we were commenting that Pat was bringing on players at 72 minutes, 80, uh, 74 minutes. I mean, this week, it's quite apparent that things weren't going to plan, and he was bringing on players much earlier. And I thought Randall came on and played a blinder. So I think, apart from you said Piers O'Connor and Purdy, I think he sort of changed the game, really. So, yeah, Randall did a great job in the second half. I- I also thought Big John as well did well when he came on because um, he just yeah. solidifies the front row, doesn't he? And he just gives that little bit of uh, reliability and the older the older statesman um, to the game. And I thought that we, we seemed a bit more settled when he came on. Yeah. I mean, we um, I think there was a stat that they didn't, you know, they scored their 14 points after 14 minutes and then they didn't mm-hmm. score another point until about 65, which yeah. showed that they, you know, we were putting them under pressure. And it, A, it was a testament to their defence that they, you know, they did shut us out for quite a long time. But, you know, we did miss a few kicks as well. But I, I, I felt, I think you asked someone earlier on about what was the feeling in the second half. I, I had that real feeling of I was just waiting for something to happen, and it mm. never quite did, did it? And and I, I it was it was quite frustrating. And actually, in the end, it, it felt like a bit of a get out of jail, really did. But just me mentioning um, Randall, I think you know, I mean, I think your end. He, he was a bit erratic. I mean, he he he's some great clearance kicks, but also one or two dodgy ones. And and I just think. Uh, it, yeah, Randall still has that that little bit of zip about him that maybe Andy hasn't quite got, and I and I think to his, to be fair to him, he's coming back from injury, isn't he? So you know, in, and you know, I think uh, I still think it's good to have two pretty equal scrum halves fighting it out, um, and I just think to go for to go from good to great. Those two scrum halves have really got to start building their kind of game management skills as, mm-hmm. as much as they can. Because I think that's the other thing. It's such an important position. And we, we're investing a lot of faith in those two young lads. Um, and they, you know, they can only get better. But yeah, Randall, definitely Miles, I agree with you, looked good when he came on. Cool. So, hey, uh, I did like, I, sorry, Tone, I, just a quick one. I just, I did like the little snippet before on BT Sport when he did the interview with uh, Andy Uren and uh, Joe Joyce as well and they were trying to teach uh, Zara a bit of uh, a bit of Bristolian that was quite a nice little touch wasn't it before the game it certainly wasn't she got her Gert Lush mind in didn't she with Pat in the, uh, the pre-game uh, interview Gert Lush win there Pat um, yeah I mean not not maybe uh, Andy Uren's best games obviously that knock on 
um, that, that denied us the, the second try in the first half uh, was disappointing. I know a lot of people commenting about how many phases it was before the uh, the TMO got involved, but uh, at the end of the day, it, it, it was a clear knock-on. Lee, let me come yeah. to you. Um, just before the game, we had the news that, that Bedlow was on the bench and Tiff Eden uh, was going to start at 10. Um, we didn't know quite at the, why at the time, but obviously a little bit of a groin strain in the warm-up. Um, this is the second time now Tiff has uh, started in what? five, six months. He, he started, I believe, it was up in sale, wasn't it, towards the end of last season uh, in the game. Uh, got got the call here. Um, uh, what did you think of his performance? And, um, you know, is do, do you see him as someone that's going to push the likes of Sheedy and Lloyd? Or is he someone that maybe uh, the Premiership might be just, just a, a step too far as, as far as playing in a, a top six team? Well, first of all, I'd like to say you wouldn't have known Bedlow had any any um, slight inkling that he had a groin strain the way he smashed that ball through the post at the end. Um, but yeah, in terms of Tiff, I mean, I, I hate criticising him because I really he's one of those players that I think has got so much potential. Um, but I have to admit, I mean, now he's been he's had a couple of chances in the team. Um, I mean, he did some good stuff you know, on the field, but I do feel that it does, I think sometimes maybe he gets overawed by the the more experienced players in the team. Um, I don't think he's got enough command, should I say. Um, and there was a couple of times also, you know, that he got caught out of position. And at this level, as much as I hate to say it, you really do get found out, um, along with the missed kicks, which really... You know, you can't defend at all. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I hate to say it because I am a bit. I do like the guy, but I don't know if he really is going to be um, our number ten for for the future going forward. To be honest. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, um, Lee. I, I was just thinking about that. But do you, do you think that uh, Eden is worth keeping as a project, though? Well, I, I think that he's got potential. So, in that respect, uh, if you if you do have the potential, then then you are worth keeping. But I just don't know if if we all know Pat Lamb's ruthless, and he has to be. That's his job. Um, and I just think that that Tiff's had a couple of opportunities now, and and he hasn't he hasn't shone through. I mean, he did. He, he, like you said earlier, Pete. I think what could have happened if you'd have gone over in the first minute of the game that confidence that you might have got from that when he was just held up just short you never know it could have been a different uh, a different performance from him but ultimately you have to be steady if you your fly half needs to be steady and reliable and you know you could just see sometimes with those kicks you almost fall even with the easier ones you just started thinking I don't know if he's going to if he's going to slot this you know yeah, I suppose it's difficult for any player, isn't it? That you, you, when you don't get many opportunities, the pressure is really on, on you when you do come into the team. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I have to admit, you know, um, I think we all saw, gosh, remembering back to when we actually went to games at the gate, the, the Premiership Cup games um, at the start of last season and, and Tiff put in some, some really good performances, but he, he's not been able to really... Uh, kick on from there and I do wonder and maybe this is this is a debate for for another show maybe in in a week or two's time but uh, with Lloyd Malins and uh, Sheedy now all looking likely to be called up for the Six Nations between now and then is Pat going to have to think about bringing in uh, an experienced 10 because um, I, I certainly you know Bedloe really has filled in well but uh, you know I think it's a big ask isn't it um, just to to go into a, a series of games next spring with uh, just Bedlow and Eden but anyway let's let's come back to that but when you look at the stats uh, it was a hugely close game but I think Pete, you mentioned that um, we, we shut them out for for over 50 minutes. You know, we had 62% possession, 66% territory. Um, we made 76 tackles to their 152. So statistically, um, it, it looks strong on paper, but uh, the only thing that really counts is the points that are on the scoreboard at the end of the game. Um, so let me let, let me come to to you, Miles. Just thinking about these these three games, um, uh, the three opening games of the season. How how do you think we fared? Um, are you are you positive about where we are, or are, are there some worrying signs? Um, I, I, you know, I, I think prior to Friday night, I was quite positive. I mean, we can't argue with we're winning two out of three games and we all knew that our nemesis wasps would, would be a tough game and you know we, we nearly won that um, I, you know I, I was I, I thought Friday night's game would be easily in our favour and, and as our score predictions were massively out from last week uh, I was quietly confident I mean I think um, after watching that game I, I cannot see what sort of unfolded and quite went wrong other than the fact that Saints did their homework brilliantly were a very attacking team and sort of played to our weaknesses but I think overall um, I think moving forward I think the fact that we're getting our internationals back uh, um, and people back from injuries I think it's a good start to get two out of three wins puts us we're high up in the table and I'm I'm confident now that our performances and, and you know and, and slight weaknesses will to disappear I'm glad Miles has said that, Tony, because I think we'd all agree, the four of us on the pod, Miles is probably the most pessimistic <laughs> guy. And, you know, I, you know I've, I've, I've heard a lot on the Facebook page, and as we all have the, the last few days, and a lot of criticism from, of the team. And I just think, I'm not having it. It's like, what do people expect? Do they expect us to to A, uh, have all our international players out. We've got so many injuries and they're key players. We're having to play players out of position um, and we still found a way, despite all that, of winning a game against a strong Northampton Saints side who were really up for it and it's it's a game that a couple of years ago we would have lost without a doubt and I think that expectation level now has risen so high. I think sometimes we need to have a little bit of a reality check with some of the fans and just think, do you know what? We got the win. Like Mars has said, we won two out of three. The game we lost was against Wasps. 
who traditionally always always beat us anyway. But we managed to only lose that by three points. We got a bonus point out of it. And we're three games into the season and we're, what, third or fourth in the table. I mean, what else do people expect? When we get our big, big guns back as well, then we'll move on again. But let's have a little bit of reality check, surely. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think before that first game of the season, when I saw we had 16, 17 players out with injuries and internationals, I, I was really worried that, you know, we might come out of this set of three games with, you know, uh, three or four points. Um, and, uh, yeah, to, to, to be up there third in the table, two wins out of three. But I suppose, you know, if we play the devil's advocate, um, those three games, we've played the bottom three teams in the league, uh, including Worcester and Northampton, and Northampton are on a terrible run of form. Um, and uh, we, we lost to Wasps. Who, who have been comfortably beaten in weeks two and three, um, including Newcastle beating them 27-17. So, um, they, they did have Jack Willis playing for them against us, though, didn't they, unfortunately for us? They, they, <laughs> absolutely, they did. They did. Um, but having said that, you know, I would have bitten your hand off um, before that first game against Wasps if we were going to uh, be sat there uh, in third place with 10 points, uh, knowing that we'll be able to kick on when we've got our, our international back and some of the players that are that are out injured and when you compare the games this season with the corresponding games last season uh, we took 10 points from those games last season we've taken 10 points from those games this season so you know we uh, statistically are on course for a, a similar level of points if uh, if you can extrapolate it like that one last good, thing I just wanted good to stats, Tony. thank you good thank stats. you um, and let's let, let's just cover the other games uh, Leicester lost 13-35 at home to Exeter uh, Wasps as we said lost 17-27 at home to Newcastle Worcester uh, but, uh, but lost 17-33 uh, at home to Bath Bath uh, good result for them Irish went down at home as well, 13 points to 21 against Sale. And uh, this this afternoon, this evening, uh, Gloucester have lost 24 points to 34 to Quinns. So um, the remarkable fact about that run of uh, results is Bristol were the only home team to win this weekend. And uh, that's uh, quite unusual. Yeah, I, I, I and, just got and didn't have any fans. Yeah, yeah. I, I've just got an interesting. I think I think what that highlights, Tony, is that there. I think we've got to be realistic. There aren't easy games in the Premiership. <laughs> you know, a lot. No. I mean, a lot of these teams are solid. You remember when we got promoted and we were from the Championship after that seven-year hiatus, and we were playing those teams that first terrible season back in the Premiership, and we couldn't believe how good lots of players were that we never heard of who were just battle-hardened premiership players yeah. and you know I think we've I think this is I agree with Lee is that we've got to be realistic with it, that you can't just start moaning when we, we don't play at the sort of top level I mean we you know we have got a, a slightly inflated 
level of expectation now, which is is great because that's because of how we, what we did last season. Um, and to be honest, one thing we're really good at doing at the moment is we do tend to work our way back into the game if we do have a bad start. It's not many games in recent times that we've we've it's it's run away from us. Um, and I think you know I think we are we talk about the cliche of being at the top table, and I think we we are a, we look like a team who is at the top table because we've got a clear plan we've got a clear way of playing that isn't just about throwing it around randomly you know it's about forward power it's about strong defense and then it's about um, using some amazing skills in the back line I mean the two tries that the one that was disallowed but the one that Purdy scored on Friday I mean they were beautiful tries well even O'Connor's uh, try was a yeah, just, I mean, those things, you know, we know we've got that in our locker and, and sometimes we dip below that. So I think that, you know, a good summary is that I think we are a top table team and sometimes, you know, we're just nibbling at the top table. Maybe Friday we were just nibbling at the crumbs. You know, we we, we, we tuck in from time to time and then every now and again we start feasting. And I think, uh, you know, we look at someone like Exeter, I mean, they just feast every week by the sounds of it. And that's that's our, that's where we want to go. But, but we're, we're nowhere, you know, we're, 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 we're definitely a, a team that's got a structure, got great players, and I just think that it was a, it was a positive result in many ways yeah. to, to nick that on Friday because it kind of reminds us that you know get there is no there's no you don't you don't you earn the right to win stuff you don't just get it just because you sign a few players and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's these games that my build. Piece. It's these games that build. They're the building blocks for bigger things in the future. That's what they are, you know? And and that is, we can't steamroll teams. It, it won't happen in the Premiership. We can't steamroll teams every week. It's, it's just impossible. There's too many good sides. Um, you know, like Newcastle coming up and winning the game's all right. You can say that you've got the international players out with a lot of the big sides at the moment. But they've still come up and they've still performed. And, and just like Pete said, there's no easy games. And just just on that Newcastle point, it's something that I was thinking about. Do do you think this is starting to show now the benefit that they've had of um, actually having the longest uh, pre-season in history? I mean, they last played competitive rugby in March. Um, yeah. And, you know, they have got a very fresh squad of players um, when you when you look at you know Bristol and all the other Premiership teams that uh, you know fought through that crazy summer and autumn uh, with you know up to two games a week, um, do, do you think this is this is going to give Newcastle a head start? But maybe later in the season they'll it'll, it'll start to uh, start to even up a little bit more. I, I I personally believe that's exactly how it will pan out. So, I mean they've they've been probably the luckiest team to to actually come up and have that much of a, a break um, while everyone else has still been on the conveyor belt. Um, but I do think that the, as it gets to the business end of the season, then they will start falling away, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's not their fault, though, is it? They've come up and they've they've won three out of three. So that's all they can do is beat what's in front of them. Absolutely. Well, that's what Bristol need to do next weekend, uh, Saturday the 12th of December, 1 o'clock kickoff. We are back in the Champions Cup, uh, Bristol at home to Claremont. 
Now, uh, between us, um, we, we haven't got a huge amount of knowledge about the opposition. So we thought we'd uh, speak to someone that did. So uh, I'm going to now uh, play you uh, an interview that Pete recorded on Wednesday with Veronique, who runs a Pro 14 uh, podcast here in the UK. Let's have a listen to their conversation. So in light of the fact that we're going to be playing Claremont Auvergne uh, in the first round of the Champions Cup, we are delighted to be able to have a chat with Véronique Londieu from the French Rugby Connection podcast. Um, Véronique uh, did actually spend some time in Bristol um, uh, a few years ago, and, and I guess I do have to say this, um, it is an elephant in the room, but she is a Saracens fan. But, you know, despite that, we're still very happy to have her on here. And of course, we do have a connection with Saracens and Bears. Um, so Véronique, it's really nice to, to have you on the podcast and thanks for giving up your time to speak to us um but i thought perhaps to start with you could just tell us a little bit about yourself um your podcast and and generally why you kind of why you got interested in rugby yes yeah, absolutely so i do have research connection you know, with you because i uh my first okay. job was working for um qeh queen's elizabeth hospital uh, uh, school and red meds and i was teaching um uh, French as part of my of my my studies, and uh, after that, you know, I moved to London, found a job in um, in the tech industry, and um, one day, a few years ago, six seven years ago, one of my friends took me to a match in um, in in North London, watching Saracen versus I can't remember who, but I really fell under the spell of yeah. of Saracens, and the rest is history, as they say. So, so what about your podcast? How, how did that all come about? Okay, so um, the first thing I did is, uh, because I'm a marketer, you know, I offered my, um, my services to the Saracen Supporter Association. And for about two years, you know, I did some PR um, events with some rugby legends, such as Michael Leiner and <laughs> Billy Unipola and so on. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And um, after a while, I, I started writing a blog. And from that blog, you know, um, I decided to, to do a, a, a podcast with a freelance journalist called Mike Pierce. So a podcast that would be very, very specific because I've noticed there was a, a gap in the market and I wanted to do a podcast about uh, the top 14 because uh, everybody kept asking me you know, about French rugby and so on. And uh, I thought, okay, you want to hear about it? So you can listen to me you know, once a week and my... And my uh, co-host and we tell you everything and everything you ever wanted to know about French uh, rugby but never dared to ask. I, partly here because obviously we're playing Claremont and none of us in our podcast are particularly knowledgeable about French teams apart from obviously last season beating a few of them so um, uh, what I thought we'd uh, what we'd like to do is, is perhaps um, pick your brains a little bit about what we're going to expect from Claremont Auvergne. I mean, I, I did a little bit of research um, before coming on and currently I think they're third in the top 14. They've got 28 points. They've won six, lost two and a plus 94 points difference. And, and obviously last season in the Champions Cup, they won their group stage. They 
They beat Bath and Quinns pretty handsomely, um, but then lost to Racing in the quarterfinals. No, I think it was a pretty good game, wasn't it? Um, so, and of course, yeah, they have some big names as well. So, um, I guess what what our what our listeners and, and us as well would, would like to know is, you know, what 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 should we expect from Claremont when they when they come to Ashton Gate um, on Saturday the twelfth? And and uh, do you have any kind of words of comfort for us at all? I would say get ready for them. They are real beast right now. So they started the top 14 a bit, a bit painfully. Um, they had two defeats altogether. I think they won. They lost against uh, Castres and, and Stade Francais, I believe. Uh, but they they very much regrouped and under the tenure of their um, coach Azema, they're very very keen. You know, not only to reach the top of the competition, the top 14 league, but also, you know, to do well in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never won any Heineken Cup so far. <laughs> they're really keen to, to achieve that. And I think they only won once the Challenge Cup, yeah. as far as I'm aware. So a few players you really need to be aware of. Uh, the star, the man of the match last week against Cast was Camille Lopez. He's 31 years old, you know, so he's, uh, he's, yeah. he's nearing retirement age, but he's very much you know, um, is very much a, 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 a player to to watch out for. He's um, uh, him and Morgan Para or Obezi are very much you know very good. Um, a very very good alliance. Uh, another one you need to watch is the Japanese Matsushima as well. So with a winger. So um, yes, there will be some work for Varadradra. Uh, I think when he when he gets back from <laughs> from his school. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking through their team list at the moment, actually, and there are, as you say, there are some there are some beasts in there. And there's a few names that I recognise. Uh, Slimani is somebody that I recognise from days gone by, and and also the two um, there was I think Yato, but I think he's injured actually by the looks of it. And um, I just remember this from the Harlequins game last week. And there's uh, Alivaretti Racker as well. I remember him running through them. So yeah. Some big boys, but I guess um, you know Pat Lamb is a master of the a master of planning and a master of detail. So I, I, I'm sure he's got a plan for them. Uh, so you, you mentioned earlier that you um, uh, that you had been in Bristol uh, for a while. I mean, is there a, are there any parts of Bristol you, you particularly remember that you, that you lo- that you remember fondly um, that you like? Oh, very much. You know, the area around Clifton, you know, I lived for a while. My last few years were spent in Redland, you know, just yeah. by Wiley this Road. So it was very much Clifton. So around the Clifton Bridge area, that was, that was beautiful. They were my, my student days. That was, that was absolutely marvelous, marvelous time. Um, and regarding the Bristol Saracen connection, I have to say that, uh, you forgot to mention that uh, you've got uh, two hour players, Max Malins and uh, Ben Earl. Of course, and I yeah. had the opportunity to speak with Max Malins a few a few weeks ago, and he's having a, the time of his life. He's really he's really enjoying himself right now. So yeah, I mean they 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 I mean sadly for us at the moment they're they're off with England, but um, I mean they they did really uh, make a big impression when we came back after lockdown and, and for us it was a real bonus really because they were they were supposed to join us this season but we obviously got them for you know the last nine games or whatever it was and so on. Um, have you I mean do you keep an eye have you do you know much about how Bristol have been doing? I mean they've they've been in the headlines quite a lot. Obviously they did beat Bordeaux and Toulon on the way to uh, to winning um, 
the Challenge Cup. So I guess that they they must have got a bit of uh, coverage in the in the French media as a as a team from England that were that were on the up. Um, Definitely, and I think it's all down to the magics of uh, of Patlam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was I mean, very much instrumental into in in their success. But uh, uh, even a few years ago, you know, Bristol was already they were they had that reputation of nearly being there. But obviously, they have been much more investment. Like you were, like Max Malin mentioned to me, they've got a state of art, you know, training ground. Uh, money is not an issue, fortunately, thanks to you, to your uh, billionaire owner. Well, I must say, can I just say at this point that it's all above board, and uh, we are we are below the salary cap. Um, so, look, Veronique, it's it's really nice um, for you to speak to us. I, I, I think our time is is up. So, um, thanks very very much. Um, uh, good luck with your podcast. Um, it's a, it's really good, and I'm hopefully lots of our uh, listeners will will give it a go as well. And uh, and uh, we look forward to uh, maybe we could catch up with you again sort of later on in the season if we come up against some other French opposition that we're slightly concerned about. Absolutely, absolutely, and don't forget to mention my podcast. So the, the title, the official title is French Rugby Connections with. Veronique Landieu and Mike Pierce. So it's very much, you know, light-hearted, fun and informative type of podcast about French rugby, European rugby and world rugby. And in addition, during that podcast, I usually give a few, a uh, little bit of French lesson. How do you say hooker? How do you say um, a third line, third row and so on? And we always finish with a, with a third, uh, uh, with, a, with a joke. So our aim is to bring a smile to people's face in these yeah. dire times and also to bring some information about the top 14. Oh, fantastic. I mean, we, in our podcast, we, we usually end by teaching Lee a bit of English, actually. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you know, we, the, on the, the, only Bristol, the only Bristolian I can speak is, all right, me lover. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, maybe practice a little bit. But yeah, that's excellent. Well, look, that is really, really nice to talk to you. There we are, Pete. It uh, it sounded like a, a really interesting chat, um, and I think you were telling me off air um, you you were given you give a little bit of banter about England steamroller in uh, the the French B team. Um, um, good good job, but that, that that wasn't recorded. Yeah, we've got enough time for Pete to get on about Eddie James. If we, is there enough time in the pod this week? <laughs> well, let's let's. I, not... I, I, you know, yeah, I, uh, I going back to Tony's question, obviously, because he just asked me a question. Um, I think, yeah, we did have a bit of banter, and, and I kind of made a joke and said, well, you know, we've obviously thrown in the towel. You sent your second team um, to, you know, to, to us. But she actually made quite a good point that, that a lot of those players in the French side that obviously did a job on England and were very unlucky not to win, to be honest, today. She said, look, a lot of those are battle-hardened pro 14 players. Um, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not green youngsters. They 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 they've played at a good level. They just haven't played international level. And I think uh, you know we when we looked at the team sheet for the England game today very briefly. I mean we saw our mate Matthew Jalibert and it remind Jalibert and it reminded us of, of how he you know just did play very well for Bordeaux against us in that semi final. And an argument could be made that when he went off injured, that was when the game turned a little bit. So yeah, it was it was very nice to chat to. It's nice to chat to sort of other people with different rugby perspectives. And, and as you can. Uh, as you'll t- you can remember from the from the clip, you know basically 
she said, we've got to be ready for some big units to uh, to be coming to Ashton Gate. And when I looked at the team sheet, I mean, there are some big players that play for Claremont and they are no mugs. They have a pretty good record. And although they lost on Friday, I think um, they were playing the same time as us. You know, they've made a pretty good start in the, the, the uh, Pro 14. And, and I remember last season, actually, their first European game, I don't know if you boys remember, they played Harlequins and they absolutely mullered them and mm. took them by surprise. So I'm sure Pat has got a plan and he's, we know he's the man with the plan. So um, he will be, we will be ready for those boys, even though it is a, uh, a, you know, a big French side. And we have beaten three French sides in the last year anyway, haven't we? So, uh, mm. so it's nothing to be scared of, I don't think. Yeah, four in fact, because we, we four, had yeah. two, two in the group stage as well, didn't we? Of um, course, Tony, I knew you'd know that. Uh, we so, bageled one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of the, the L, the bagel. I'd, uh, I'd forgotten the, um, what are we, Stade Francais, Brive. Oh, yeah, Toulon and Bordeaux, yeah, yeah. four. Yeah, so uh, we've played half the Pro 14 um, already. Uh, so thank you, Veronique, for that that uh, that insight. And, uh, um, you know, if you are interested in, in French club rugby and Pro 14, then highly recommend her uh, podcast. And we'll put a link to that in our social media once this show comes out. So, boys, let's get down to the business then. Um, what kind of team do you think we can expect Pat to put out uh, against Claremont. Let me come to Miles first. Um, well, I mean, as I sort of Pat alluded to in, pre- in interviews in the last couple of weeks, um, he's not going to muck around. I mean, this is the big time we're in now. This is this is the competition he wanted to be in. So um, he's going to have to study Claremont extremely uh, uh, hard and put out our, the best possible team we can field, really. I mean, you know, we all know we've got potentially six internationals coming back to Bristol after this weekend. Some having played more more game time than others, so some might need a little rest. And you know, some of our, our the guys who've been playing over the last three games have had a tremendous um, run out, and you could argue that they've played equally as well and, and, and justifiably should be picked in the first team but I think we need you know we, we've played the French you've got some in, as I said four teams we're used to their big muscle and big packs and we, we squared up against Toulon in the final despite them having you know huge players like Ed Sabath, and and we took them on and played them at their own game so you know I think we need some players back in their correct positions uh, hopefully Edie and Malins and, and Lloyd but I think we'll take them on it'll be a lot closer than than we think and yeah, a tough old game, I expect. And Lee, who, do, you, do you see the six coming back from international duty? And how, how wonderful is that to say Bristol Bears had six players, including the captain of Fiji, uh, playing this weekend? Do you, would you expect all six to be in the starting 15? I certainly would, Tim, because because um, basically there are a team, aren't they? There are star players. So I think that they would have uh, had a good experience with their international sides. I mean, certainly Louis Chidi have, have absolutely shone, haven't they? So I think they'll gain vast experience for being with the Welsh side. Um, and the England boys, you know, this performance side today, but they haven't done too badly, have they? So uh, I'd expect them all to come back in, to be fair. And uh, Pete, any, anybody else that you see? I mean, Stephen Luato has been t- touted to be back, uh, potentially fit for this one. Do you, do you think he's someone that we might see start? 
Or if he's fit, yeah, I definitely. I, I, just, I, whilst I don't like to do this, um, I'll just pick up on Miles when Miles said, oh, Pat had said in a few recent interviews. I mean, not in a few recent interviews. He said it in the interview last week on the pod, <laughs> didn't he? That, that he was going to... He gave us some quite good insight into the internationals, and he said that he definitely wanted them back for the Champions uh, Cup, and he was he was worrying about how he was going to fit their two week holiday in, and it was clearly it, we implied from that that he was priority. So on that, the basis of the big interview in the last week, <laughs> I would say that I would be wouldn't be surprised to see Malins and Earl get back in because they they have had a bit of game time but not loads. So they're going to be kind of fresh and ready, but with a bit of match sharpness. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Malins come in at fullback um, and, and maybe Earl in the flank whilst retaining Thomas and Hughes. I, I do agree with Tony from earlier. I think Sinclair will, will get his break potentially because I think we're we're okay in the front row at the moment. Um, and the question then, of course, becomes, you know, do we bring Semi back into the fold? Um, he's going to, of, you know, he's been he's been laying low recently, but he's had a full game, um, he, so he's going to have his fitness. Is he going to come in? Um, I assume that's he's not even be a question. It's got to come well, back in. Well, well, I, I can't, well, let's wait and see. But I mean, he might be put on the bench. You never know. I mean, Piers O'Connor's no. been playing pretty well. Siali has been yes. playing out of his skin. Mm. So suddenly yeah. you're saying semi Siali Piers O'Connor. Bedler, well, three, you've got to pick two out of three. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's 100% semi, but I I mean, I'd like to think he is. Um, and then, you know, we're talking... Um, I mean, we're talking. If we, if uh, we've obviously got to have a, we've got to have a scrum half on the bench. I mean, what about Callum Sheedy? Is Sheedy gonna? Um, is he gonna come straight back in? I, I would have thought so. Um, you'd like to think so. And then what about Lloyd? Is he going to be on the bench or is he going to come in at fullback? So I, I, suddenly, I think those players are all going to be available for selection, and it's going to be interesting. I think it's one of those ones Pat's going to have. And what about Vui's fit again? Um, exactly. So you know, and Lua too. So, I mean, I, 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 you know, and and then he, um, Ed Holmes came on, and we know he's a, he's the sort of player we want out on the pitch against Claremont, Ed, Ed Holmes, don't we? We know he's a hundred percenter. So I think Pat suddenly from like having to sort of trawl down the squad a little bit, is suddenly going to have that opposite problem this week is how do we, how do we fit the jigsaw together? Well, certainly, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the, it's a nice headache to have, isn't it? And I think that's, that's it. Two, two interesting things there. You know, you've got Vui and Luatoa coming back from uh, injuries. Do, do they start? Or you know, uh, are they possibly on the bench uh, to come on as as impact players? Fullback, Yai uh, and Lloyd had that sparkling performance against Worcester, but Max Malin's uh, uh, e- equally as good in that fullback position. So, uh, and of course, both can cover the number ten. Uh, I can't see any way that Sheedy won't be back in and uh, starting at ten. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think the front row might have been. Just rested a little bit for this last game, but uh, I'd certainly expect to see um, Jan Thomas and Afoa starting. Would probably burn yeah. as hooker, and maybe Sinclair if he's not given the uh, week or two week break now, uh, possibly being on the on the bench for this one because he's he's the only one I think that's played virtually all the. International games, yeah. obviously. I mean, if, and if he if he isn't on the bench, I mean, we've got Jake and Max Laheef. I would say is 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 pretty solid cover. Um, 
the, as the well. The one question I've got for you, boys, is who who do we play on the wings? Do you think Purdy and Alapati? Yeah, because we've that got this is going to be a well. physical game. This is going to be a physical game of rugby. This is. I, I was listening to someone else saying, I think it might have been Flatman who, when he was commentating on the England game, and he said that he watches quite a lot of the, the Pro 14, and it's actually not like it's not box office stuff. It's it's big arm wrestles. It's a it lot is. of physical yeah, yeah. stuff going on. Mm. And and this is where Tony, I I, I kind of ninety nine point nine nine percent with you about agree with you about Sheedy, but there's just one makes me think because they're a big physical side. Is there any chance he might start with Bedloe at fly off just for his his defensive qualities with Sheedy to come on? But I, I I'd be very surprised. But um, just a thought crossed my mind. But I, I doubt it. But you never know, just because of the physicality. I, I, I'll happily have a tenner on that one with you, Pete. Oh, no, no, <laughs> just a gentleman's bet. That one. Gentleman's anybody bet. else want a tenner with Pete on that one? <laughs> no, 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 I'll pass. Yeah, um, no. I mean, I mean, what what is fabulous? You know, we've waited. 12 years to be back in the Champions Cup um, and to to be playing these uh, these teams the top teams in Europe now this is the vision this is what Pat is striving for you've got to say though with this funny format that we've got this season that um you know, you you almost can't afford. If you want to go through this year, you're pretty much going to have to win all four games to to guarantee. Um, maybe you might be able to squeeze by with uh, one loss, but uh, certainly two losses, and you are out. So uh, these two games that are coming up against Claremont and Connell, um, let's hope we can uh, put both of them away and go into uh, Christmas with two two European wins. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at Bears Beyond Gate, and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, a few things just to uh, round off on. Um, I see that the uh, Bears A team went up to E uh, on I think that was Saturday game and uh, we were beaten by 35 points to 19 uh, again largely an academy side that uh, played against the Ealing um, but good for those boys to get a run out and uh, some competitive um, rugby but uh, Pete I think you've got an interesting little uh, fact that uh, about the Ealing Bears game well, yeah, it was just it was just um, a tweet from one of our followers, Simon Tillotson, and uh, he had he I think he lives uh, he lives he's, he's an expat there he lives that way and he, and he he was sort of tweeted that he was actually at the game watching it and it struck me that that was he's probably one of the only Bristol fans that has actually seen any Bristol teams playing live. Um, since March, so uh, um, you know, I thought that was that was sort of quite interesting, really. And, and he did actually, um, he did sort of send a brief uh, summary of what he thought because I, I asked him what what um, Siva Nua, Nua, Nua Loga, Nua, Oh, Tony, you better say it. <laughs> Nua Lago. God, Tony, you say it. Yeah. Nua Lago. Um, yeah, and he, and he said that he was kind of hoping for, for miracles with him, but, you know, he basically looked like he was just settling in. And he said that some of the academy players looked very explosive, and although we lost, obviously, um, Ealing were actually a very organised team, um, very, very organised than you actually see, perhaps, on some of the, the, the highlights. And um, and although the, the play, the... Um, 
the play got a bit broken in the second half. It, he, he said it was a it was a game full of promise. So yeah, it just suddenly struck me. You know, no, you know there are there are this this away game, and obviously they're in tier two. So there was they were allowed to have some fans in. Um, so yeah, I thought it was interesting. Absolutely. So yeah, nice. And any other London-based Bears fans, uh, we we hope you enjoyed seeing uh, one of our teams out there. Um, not such a good result, although um, you know, thirty-five nineteen is is uh, not a brilliant result. But uh, the women's team um, they played away at Harlequins at the Stoop, and uh, they lost sixty-one points to seventeen. Now, Lee, I know you were following this on social media, and you got quite excited at one point, didn't you? I did, and I got a horrible feeling. I think I jinxed it for the for the ladies um, because we pulled ourselves back. Uh, Joycey had got a, a hat trick, and I think at that stage we pulled it back to twenty one seventeen. So I I don't normally do this as well during a game, but I've, I just I felt quite positive. So I did the um, I did the retweet, and um, and then <laughs> lo and behold, literally that was that was the end of our scoring and. We ended up getting a little bit of a battering, but um, you know we have to remember that that obviously they they rate they're reigning champions, aren't they? Um, and it was uh, it was always going to be a tough game, so I, I do apologise for the ladies for, for jinxing that one on Saturday. <laughs> And just uh, one thing from me, um, boys, cast your mind back to this time last year. We we were in the midst of a bobble gate, um, no hats for Christmas presents and uh, the club shop under a bit of pressure. But uh, we tweeted um, the fact that there's a rather nice Bristol Bears um bobble hat that's been added to the range uh, blue and white uh, with bears on the front and the back as well as an embroidered logo uh, retailing at £22 um, so if uh, if you want to keep your barnet warm um, over the winter uh, that looks quite a good buy and it's the kind of bobble hat I think we've just all been looking for I think it's very similar to the ones that the players had about two or three years ago where yes. everyone was saying yeah. mm-hmm. where is it where can we we buy it and it was it was kind of a players only one so so well done to the shop for for that addition to the range having said that i did pop down um and um just a little bit disappointed as we come to christmas again that we haven't seen much more of an expansion of of the range um and um lots of the sizes for things like the sweatshirts the hoodies the jackets that lots are already sold out in in most of the uh, kind of main sizes. So again, it's a bit disappointing. I, I went down there looking to spend some money, but actually came away with a bobble hat, which was great. But it is a bit disappointing. I, I mean, I don't know if any of you you guys have been down there or have been looking at the shop yeah. online. I, but I mean, what, I, what are your I was thoughts? down there. Well, I was down there yesterday with my son, Tony, just to pick up a little gilet that I snapped up on their Black Friday sale. But I think, you know, I think they said that was the last one in that size. So I think I was extremely lucky. My my little lad was enjoying trying on the odd hat, obviously against COVID regulations, as I was telling him. But I, I agree with you. It was the last blue cap in the store, and I could only see about one for the blue gilet. So probably to sort of cement your comments, really. You know, maybe you missed out on another Christmas shopping opportunity. 
First of all, what I'd like to say is, obviously, Pete, we, we know now what we're getting bought for Christmas from Santa, don't we? We've got a gilet and a, and a bobble hat coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I mean, it does, it does seem to be a little bit of a recurring theme, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I know I've been down to the shop three or four times, as you, as you guys know, to try and spend some money. And I've unfortunately encountered the same problem. Um <laughs> But we don't know if this is, you know, the the problem with with COVID is kind of is everything's been a bit stop start. So maybe the the supply and demand's had a, a bit of an issue, possibly. Um, but yeah, we we shall see. But obviously, with Christmas just around the corner now, we we, we you'd like to hope that people could spend the money on on the things that they wanted to buy for Christmas, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, it is prime time, yeah. isn't it, for people to buy presents for loved ones? I mean, I don't know about you boys, but there's usually some Bristol Bears gear that I'd like to put down on my Christmas wish list. But um, mm. you know, there's n- not much of an opportunity. I tell you another thing as well. I'm a bit surprised the club haven't really capitalised on the Challenge Cup win, and that we've not. Seen seen any kind of commemorative um, uh, merchandise Mm. there apart obviously from the mugs but that you know that was a guy that had independently um, uh, produced them and then uh, I think the the club must have uh, got him to 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 make some more for him but again I think a little missed opportunity that's a great shout because I mean let's face it it's the first European trophy that we've won and you'd think the club would be all over it wouldn't you I mean there's, as as loyal Bear supporters, I mean, I mean, I bought the mug straight away. To be honest with you, I've been drinking tea out of it all day. And you'd think that they would have capitalised on the fact that that we've won this European trophy. Um, and it is, I totally agree with you, Tone. I think that it is a, a, a missed opportunity, really. And people want that type of um, that memento from from that that you know glorious night. Don't we? Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, I mean, there's nothing in the store, really. You're right, Mr. Thompson suggests that we'd won the European Cup because that's the only part of the ground fans are allowed in at the moment. So, yeah, I, I, have, points, I, I have I heard that. Um, sorry, Miles. Uh, 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 a point, uh, European game again this weekend, and, you know, those who didn't get a chance to buy the lovely pink top back in uh, for the final, we, 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 I don't think you can still get it, can you? Not currently. No, not currently. Uh, well, that's it. Bears get win number two in the league, and we're sitting in third place. Let's hope we're celebrating a European victory on next week's show. So, until then, goodbye, stay safe, and come on, Briz. Come on, Briz.